scariest situation you've ever been in. <clears throat> I can think of a few, and until this point in my life, it was the scariest. When I was a sophomore in college, I went to uh, Spain over the holiday break in the mid-year, and uh, uh, it was cool. I got credit for a class and got to experience a, a different culture. And, you know, I, I've always been the kind of person that, that uh, would strike out on my own, uh, uh, independent, kind of a free spirit. And, um, and so we would have free time when we were over in Madrid, and I took it upon myself with my little Spanish to English dictionary and a map of the subway system, the metro, I would go uh, off by myself different places. Well, that almost came to bite me because I, I was out one day uh, and, and was coming back toward the metro station that I'd gotten off of. And, and there was a group of guys, I, I would call them uh, loosely Spanish gangbangers. Scary-looking guys. Uh, now, I was big and was an athlete, but there were a bunch of them, and there was one me. And they started saying something to me, too fast for me to keep up my dictionary. <clears throat> I wonder if you've ever been in a, a foreign country and, and not really known the language, not really known the customs. I mean, it's important to know the customs, isn't it? Something that can be innocuous, not have much meaning here, you can do in another place and it'd be a great insult to somebody. It's strange being in another country, isn't it? But that's exactly what the book of First Peter talks to us about. The next few weeks we're going to talk about aliens and strangers. And we're not talking about some extraterrestrial, we're not talking about other people far beyond us. What the Bible says, First Peter, the theme of First Peter is you are an alien and stranger when you come to Christ and live in the world. You change. Anytime you start up a study of the Bible, you look at a particular book, it's good to look at the context. Who wrote First Peter? You might say, well, duh, Peter. Not always when the Bible's labeled by somebody's name are we sure that that person wrote that book. But I think it's pretty clear here that Peter wrote Peter. Peter, the, the apostle that Jesus called the rock. Peter, the uh, impulsive, impetuous disciple upon which Jesus said, I will build my church. He played a foundational role in the beginning and the expansion of the early church. Peter, who is a fisherman. Peter, who apparently didn't have that much education. When you study Greek, oftentimes Greek instructors will have you go through Peter first as you translate from Greek because it's simple, commonplace, blunt language. And that's what Peter does. He writes to us from a particular time and place, and his words echo and help us even in today's world. Our culture is at best kind of hostile toward Christianity. At worst, it actually is antagonistic toward us. See, this is written, this book was written, uh, it, we think about 64 AD. What was significant about that? In 64 AD, uh, Nero was the emperor in Rome. Nero was kind of crazy. And it seems a, a fire destroyed much of Rome and and Nero blamed this little group, this little sect of people called the Christians. 
And so out of that began a great persecution. A persecution. And this First Peter is written to who he says are the elect, the, the scattered. It really, these people, he writes to individuals and churches that are all through what is modern day Turkey. And he's saying to them, in the midst of this persecution, in the midst of this great hardship, your faith can sustain you. And so it speaks to us today. It's difficult to be a Christian in today's world. It's difficult to understand why it is that we have troubles because we're just trying to to be who God made us to be. We're just trying to honor God. We're just trying to please God. This passage, as it begins, uh, this book, 1 Peter, with the first two verses, I think it talks to us about our relationship, why it is that we feel so out of place in this world. And it talks to us about our relationship to God and our reality in Christ. First, our relationship to the world, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, that's how they wrote letters that day. Usually uh, the person who was authoring the letter would put their name first, and that's what Peter does. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. As I said, those are what are in modern-day Turkey. These people are scattered all over the place. It kind of reminds us, it reminds me of our church. Uh, through the eight years I've been here, we've uh, got people coming from different places, uh, north of us, east and west, south. It is very possible these days uh, to go a lot of the week without seeing anybody from church wherever you are. And so much like those days, when you're scattered, when you're not in concentrated pockets in a place, it can get lonely out there. He calls us the Christians there and the Christians now exiles. That word can be translated resident alien. It can be translated foreigner. It can be translated stranger. It can be translated expatriate. You know what an expatriate is? And it happens a lot these days. People decide to go live in a foreign country. There are a lot of American expatriate places and colonies all over the place. Now, they're not actual colonization, but, but communities of Americans living in foreign land. And that, that's natural, isn't it? It's natural when you don't speak the language that most do. It's natural when you don't have the same customs or habits to kind of try to find others like you. The Bible says to us throughout 1 Peter that all of us, we are in a place, the world, in which we really no longer fit. You see, at one time, we were like everyone else. We wanted what was good for us. We were driven by what was in our best self-interest. If something felt good to us, we went and did it. And we all, it was all about me. That is the way of the world. When you read the world in the New Testament, it's not talking about the geographic world. It's talking about the way that people, apart from God, think and act and live. And so the relationship to the world, we change. We're still human. We still have the basic same personality. But as we come 
into a relationship with God, as we become, as he says, his elect, it changes our relationship to the world. It calls us to be different. It calls us to look different. It calls us to act different. It changes how we relate to the world. If you're a businessman and you've decided as a Christian not to cheat, lie, or double cross, if you decided to deliver what you promised, you're a stranger in the world. If you're a husband and you've decided to be faithful to your wife because you're a Christian, then you're a stranger in the world. If you're a Christian teenager and you've decided to live for Jesus in the halls of your high school, you are a resident alien. If you're a worker on a job, big or small, full or part-time, blue or white collar, and you have decided to do your work as unto the Lord, not as pleasing men, but in order to please God, if you have decided that money will not be the determining factor in your life, then you are a stranger in this world. If you're depressed and discouraged, and you have said, no, I won't turn to drugs or alcohol to handle my problems, you're swimming against the tide, and you're a stranger in the world. If you're working in an office where coarse language, profanity, and loose talk are the accepted norm, and you've decided not to join in, God bless you, my friend. You are a stranger in this world. If you come to a place where in order to get ahead, you have to compromise some of your Christian values, and you decide not to do it, get ready for trouble. You are a stranger in this world. It's not a question of isolation from the world. That is, we pulling away. That's impossible and fruitless. It's a question of being in the world and not of the world. If you decide to follow Jesus, it changes your relationship to the world. It brings persecution, as it did to the people to whom Peter was writing. But the way that you cope with, the way that you handle your changed relationship to the world is all about your relationship to God. Let's talk about our relationship to God because that's the subject of verse 2, our relationship to God. Now, I kind of break this verse up. Let's read it together all, and then we'll kind of break it up to to talking about our relationship. What does it say? Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be to yours, be yours in abundance. Friends, there is a, in one verse, a great nutshell of the gospel. There is in one verse, uh, it includes the work of the Trinity in changing us from being people who are selfish and self-destructive and turning us into people who are Christ-led and Christ-centered, Christ-blessed. It's right there. It first begins with the fact that we are chosen. We are chosen. The first part of verse 2, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Justin did a great job in preparing us for a communion and talking about what chosen means. Uh, friends, what I want you really to understand is that choosing is, is God's prerogative. It's God's priority. We need to understand sometimes when we talk about salvation, 
we talk about it, it's all about what we decide and, and what we think about God. And it, it, it all begins with his choosing us. I don't know if y'all do the grocery shopping in your family, but I, I do mostly in our family. And I can spend forever at the fruit stand trying to find the right pineapple or the right cantaloupe. Cantaloupes are fun for it's try to, fun to try to find a good cantaloupe for somebody that can't smell. Because the best way to pick a good cantaloupe is by the, the stem end. You can actually smell the smell of cantaloupe. <laughs> well, I can't smell, so I don't even try anymore. I've learned to, to grip it. You, learn, you want the very best one. You know, this word chosen in Greek means God is doing the choosing. It's, he's picking out the best piece of fruit. He's picking out the best soldier for this military operation, and, and he picks you. He picks me according to his foreknowledge. That word foreknowledge in Greek means prognosis. Now, we, we use a word in English, prognosis. We're just saying it a little different, but it's from that Greek word. What does it mean? Pro means before. Gnosis means knowledge. So God has knowledge before. God knew when you were even being thought about being created. He knew beforehand that he wanted you to be his son or daughter. And he knew this and he knew who would respond. Again, it begins with him. He decides to choose. He knew who would respond to his call. He knew who would respond to his invitation to enter in relationship with him. And he chose you, just like we choose at the grocery store, the exact perfect thing that we want. God knew that and chose you. It goes on to say we are called, the second part of verse 2. We are called <clears throat> through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. We, through this sanctifying work, God has brought us to himself. He's called us to himself. What does sanctifying mean? It means the process of cleaning. It means the, the process of bringing us to be holy. It's impossible for us to be holy by ourselves. As I talked about today, unless the Lord builds the house, uh, the builders labor in vain. If we don't have the right mindset, if we don't have the right equipment, it's impossible to build a good house, a strong house, a, a foundation that will stand. The same thing happens. If we decide we're going to be a Christian by ourselves, if we decide we're going to be a Christian doing it our way, we, will ne we labor in vain because it is through allowing ourselves, opening ourselves up to allowing the Holy Spirit to indwell us, first to convict us of the need to understand and be who God wants us to be, and then to, to accept Jesus Christ by faith. And then we live with the indwelling Holy Spirit leading us, living by the Spirit and not from the flesh. See, people of the world live by the flesh, by the self-desires. People of the Spirit live by what pleases God and what God wants to see happen. Yeah, they, they prioritize God because the Holy Spirit's leading them in this. This is the sanctifying work 